0: Okay, here's the deal. If you are a small business owner and you feel overwhelmed and stressed and you know you need to hire someone, but you don't know what to do, so much so that you just go into this endless loop of not hiring people (laughs) because you know you need to, but you don't do it, then today's episode is perfect for you. I'm so excited to have Kimon, who's a hiring strategist on the Next Big Thing podcast, because you guys, it is time for a real conversation around hiring so that you can save yourself time and actually spend more time doing what's actually going to generate you revenue for your business. Like it's crazy how much time we as entrepreneurs spend doing things that really aren't in our best interest. Like we could be doing so many other things like actually selling in our business or going out there and leading strategy for something. And we just, especially we as women, end up taking on so much of the pressure to just do everything ourselves. And Kimone and I talk about why this is in the podcast, but I loved having Kimone on as a guest because she really gets into the nitty gritty of what you need to think about if you are going to start hiring or if you want to start hiring or what you even need to think about if you're feeling overwhelmed like when is it the right time for you to hire someone and when should you outsource and bring someone on and what should that process look like we get into all the details today and i love kimone she's like a hiring hr angel and i want to get her back on another episode because i think there are so many other things that we could dive into that we didn't even touch today so i know you guys are going to love this episode i loved my conversation with kimone she just gets it and she knows her stuff she really is super savvy in the space so enjoy this episode and i will catch you guys on the flip side so we're recording right now and I gotta know, what is the reason why you decided to study law and then completely pivot? Like, what was that that transformation like for you?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. So, what I'll say is, so I did my undergrad at here in New York University at Albany, upstate. And the interesting part is that I always wanted to be a lawyer. So from I was four. I would walk around and say, like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I, you know, I studied for the LSAT. I was a criminal justice major. So I really was on that path. And I actually loved it. Um, And then I happened to take uh, organizational behavior class in college. And at the time, I was, you know, I had my first couple of jobs, you know, like, you know, the college hustle and bustle, like you're working um, through college. And I just noticed how badly folks were treated in the workplace and I was like this is interesting and then you know the next semester I took that class and I really enjoyed everything I was learning so then I you know I graduated and I had a choice I was like okay am I going to go to law school or am I going to pursue human resources and I decided to go to the human resources part because I felt like my mission and everything I wanted to actually achieve in life I could actually do it more efficient and I would have more control over the way I was doing it had I gone down like the law path at least in my eyes so that was my real big decision on the two and I decided to go down the HR path and
0: and did you see any crossover similarities between HR and law like are there any commonalities there
1: I would actually go further to say a lot of people in HR actually become lawyers or vice versa. It's very common in the industry, and then just because personnel, employment, all those type of things, HR and legal are always very hand in hand in the workplace, and that's at any type of business that you have. So I was like, well, I can see the commonality, and it's interesting because I felt like you know everything I learned being a criminal justice major when I was an undergrad it really made things a little bit easier for me on the HR side surprisingly because you you look at concepts and you look at things in a different light so i would say i guess this was my path <laughs> that i didn't realize at the time so it was interesting and it, it really has been a blessing for me
0: and what was the when you had this realization okay i'm going to go into HR what were the conversations like of the people around you knowing that you had studied something different in your undergrad?
1: So interestingly enough, people were like HR, like no one understood because at the, at the same time I talked about being a lawyer for like my entire life. So originally my parents were like, well, no, I think, you know, maybe you should just take some time. You might feel different. (laughs) And I was like, no, I think this is really the path. And I said, you know, Furthermore, I'm like, if, you know, I go down the path of HR, I said I can always go to law school. In fact, like, a lot of my professors who were lawyers actually suggested, like, taking a break after school before you go to law school because it's so intense and it's just, like, years and years of study. So I said, well, this will be my break. And I said I can always go back if I wanted to, but I really um, love this. So when I started to explain to them, like, more of what I kind of wanted to do in HR, they understood. They're like, okay... This is definitely up come on speed. And then they were fully supportive of it. But at first they were so confused because it was like to them, it was like a 360.
0: When you're in college, you're seeing, you know, you're getting some learnings about the workforce and you're seeing people maybe not be treated the way that they should be treated. What steps did you take after deciding that you wanted to consider pursuing HR? Did you end up did you have to get any certifications? Did you just decide to like wing it like what was that process like
1: so actually i took a year to actually work in the workforce because there's so many facets of hr and i was like okay which facet am i truly interested because it's so broad um and working there i was like i saw the lack of diversity honestly in a lot of roles i saw a lack of diversity just in women like we were like at the time women were just not in those leadership roles and even in the hr space you did not see a lot of women who looked like me so then i decided i said okay i want to study this some more so then i decided to do my master's program at uh nyu interestingly enough like i'm a human capital engineer so it's like it combined you know the hr side of things to really understand people and then the system side of things with the data behind that right because if you're trying to go ahead and make changes like in the industry a lot of times people in c-suite you know or very high level they want to see kind of the data behind this like why is this a good thing to implement and i'll say like it was really interesting you know to kind of combine the two because in the workforce i just real, i felt like a pariah almost i was like i don't see anyone who looked like me surprisingly enough and i live in new york where there's a large amounts of diversity here and then i said you know, women are really struggling to get the kind of roles that they really wanted, and from there, I really started to, you know, shift and work obviously in HR, but then I also started to do some freelance consulting um, in recruitment because I was like, I want people to get these amazing jobs. I want women to also have flexibility too in their roles because that was a thing too, like never taking vacation, just feeling like you just have to work 24 seven. And I realized, okay, all of these things that I was experiencing was to get me to this point. So that was the really the start of the journey for me.
0: And when did you realize that you wanted to help certain types of businesses? So you felt kind of called to, after practicing for a little bit, you felt called to and drawn to helping certain types of businesses. Like who do you help Now and why are you so drawn to them?
1: Yeah, so right now I help a lot of startups and I help a lot of um, online businesses and small businesses because I've noticed there's a really high need there because this is what happens. So typically we'll start a business, right, from some form of need. So, you know, a lot of times it's often like I need some more flexibility in my life. I want to start a family or I just want to have control over my schedule and my say-so, Right. But there's not a handbook on how to really do business. I mean, I'm sure there are books now, but it's it's not comprehensive enough to kind of give you a step-by-step guide. And one of the biggest things that I noticed is that for a lot of founders or a lot of people who own businesses who are bootstrapping too, right, they are doing everything in their business, right? And there comes a point where you have to kind of start outsourcing things because it's like it, it defeats the purpose of kind of why you got into business in the first place <laughs> yes. right you you totally. didn't want to be an employee like maybe in like a corporate setting and you wanted to have more freedom and flexibility but you're doing like 20 jobs in your business and i saw that need and honestly in the first five years of business about only 50 to 60 percent of businesses survive and for women like that ratio is even lower so I noticed this high need and I was like, "Okay, I can definitely be helpful to this market. And that kind of pivoted me to start working with those type of businesses, because originally I was freelancing and consulting for a lot of, you know, like government entities and larger businesses. But I felt like my people were with startups and um, small businesses. And then I pivoted. And it's been amazing ever since. I
0: love hearing that. That makes me so excited. Why is it so hard for women especially to acknowledge that they need help or ask for help?
1: This is such a good question. I'm so glad you asked this question. The biggest thing is that I think society and all the norms that have been placed on women plays a big role into this, right? Because in society, women are always seen as the multitaskers. They're always seen as the people who are holding down like the family. They're working, at least now, in now in our society are working And they're just doing so many things and it's always this feeling as a woman that it's never quite enough right there's something else that I could be doing or I'm doing this and this is falling off so you might be just having like a a really heavy workload one week and then it's like man I can't cook this week I can't do this this week and you start to feel like insufficient in yourself and I think that plays a lot a a really huge role in you know women who start businesses because it's that same mindset in a business like I can do this like I'm going to be doing all these things where you're not realizing that you also deserve freedom and flexibility and I say deserve because you deserve it you know men who start businesses they're not out here you know doing all of these things so why should we as women do the same thing it's like we also deserve to have self care We deserve to go on vacations and we deserve to have some relaxation and actually enjoy our business. So I think it's the norms from society that really play a huge role in this. And it's like a mindset shift. It's like not thinking about yourself necessarily as a woman, but start to think about yourself as a founder and that the person, you know, who is running the business, the CEO, right? Not a chief everything officer, right? The actual (laughs) CEO of the business,
0: such a good point. And I also laugh about the comparison to guys because it's just, it's so funny when you look at men in business, how they just think of things so differently. And we, as women, as nurturers, just, we approach things differently. And in some ways it's, a it's beautiful and just wonderful how we, how we think about things. And then in other ways, we just don't give ourselves that helping hand that sometimes we, really need. And when would you say, so for everyone listening who has a business, they've started something, we all know that there comes that time and question when they feel overwhelmed. They are like the chief everything officer, right? Like you said, and maybe financially, they feel like they're on, they're at a tipping point of hiring someone or outsourcing, but they, either feel guilty about it or they don't know when the right time is. Like, how do you help people overcome those probably very common fears about outsourcing and hiring someone? Yeah,
1: this is a wonderful question. So I always say it's to each his own when you want to start. But my personal recommendation is to start before things get crazy.
0: And what is crazy <laughs> for people that live in crazy? <laughs> what is that really like? What's in your mind? How would you
1: define crazy? This is how I would define it. So like you start a business and originally when you start the business, yeah, you're doing multiple things and that's fine because you're trying to find your footing, what you actually like to do in your business. So some business owners like to actually write copy for like their emails and things. Some hate it. Some actually are really administrative and like those kind of things. So it's like the first time that you're starting a business, You're getting your feet wet and you're trying to see, well, what is it that me as a leader need to do in the business in order for this to run efficiently? And once you start to start making some money in your business, you need to be cognizant of the things that you really should be focusing on, right? The money generating activities in your business, right? The things that you know is worth your time because often us as women, we don't value our time enough and our time is money. So think about it in this perspective. If you were charging a client an hour of your time, how much would you charge them? And then if the activity that you're currently doing, is that worth the hour of your time? Then nine times out of ten, it's something that you want to prepare to start outsourcing for, or at least bring on some additional help. And I would say if you're if you're around like, you know, the 40000 to $50,000 a year, you want to really start to think about bringing on some type of support to help you, in your business. So that's normally when someone will hire like an assistant, it could be a VA, it could, it could actually be like a social media person, right? For me, it was a social media, because I was like, this is too much. This is a monster.
0: That's how I feel too. I'm like, get this off of my plate, (laughs) because it's so tedious. And you think about like, businesses, like 15 years ago, none of that even existed, right? So it's almost like the the
1: responsibilities of a business owner now have evolved it definitely has like you know 15 years ago we i mean you'd get an email now and then but it wasn't like the monster that it is now where folks are emailing (laughs) their list like five times a week so there's that there's social media and then let's not even talk about marketing and the multifaceted (laughs) of marketing right you have ads you have lead generation there's just so many things and it's like you're going to burn out yourself trying to do all of these things. So it's like, start making a list of, of the things that you don't, you shouldn't be doing or the things you're really not good at, and then preparing to start bringing on some additional help to outsource because it's going to help you, one, to get some more peace of mind. It's really helpful to have someone in your business to bounce ideas off. who would, This is like their thing. And it'll help you scale faster because that's ultimately what we want to do, right? Scale faster, but we want the business to also support us and our needs and desires. So that's that's the helpful tip that I would share about, you know, outsourcing if you've never done it before.
0: Ooh, that's a great one. And yeah, I think too, playing to your strengths, right? So like, what are you really good at? And then what are you just not good at that someone can take off your plate? What about for people that, you mentioned VAs before, and I feel like VAs, which are virtual assistants, for those of you listening who might not be familiar with the term, you know, it's a very hot topic right now because a lot of people are becoming VAs and they're also talking about outsourcing for VAs for people who are considering hiring someone or even want to start to plan to hire and onboard someone. Where do they go to look nowadays? Like if they were to find someone that they really think could be capable and that they could trust.
1: So honestly, you can find folks everywhere so as someone who recruits for a living you have to get creative where your ideal person is right so you know the commonalities that people will say is like indeed linkedin you know monster like those places those are really wide networks but you know my approach to recruitment is really to find the actual person that will fit the business and fit, like, the role. So I want you to actually sit down and think about, well, what do, what are the values am I looking for this person? What are the years of experience? What's their education? Because once you start to get clear on a lot of those things, then you can say, well, where does this person exist? Or where do I think they would exist? And you can get creative about where you're trying to source for the role. And honestly, it really comes back to job description because... You want to write your job description in a way that it's pulling the attention of the person you're trying to attract. A good job description will attract the right person, right? And often folks will say like, well, I need to get like 200 applications. No, you don't. You don't need 200 applications. You just need (laughs) the ones who are the right fit for your role to actually apply and it's going to make things much easier for you. So that's that's really the the big tip I would um, suggest there. So you can look in all the places. Facebook, there are so many groups out there. Your local networks, you know, newspapers. Believe it or not, people still read them a lot. So the columns are a good place. So there are so many places you can actually. Find folks for your role, but you have to get really creative and strategic behind that. Great answer. I love that.
0: And I, a good job description, man, you know, there, that is, it's hard to find, but it's also when you get a really good one and you start to see relevant applicants come through, it's like the best feeling ever. What about when you talk about the onboarding situation, let's say you found someone that you really like, you figured out the contract, you know, another hot topic that a lot of people are talking about is like SOPs or like standard operating procedures. Right. And a lot of people have templates for these things so that when they onboard someone, it's really clear cut. I'd imagine that onboarding is just as important as writing a really good job description to find that person. But how would you, how do you advise you know, entrepreneurs and small businesses about the actual onboarding process.
1: So this is what I always say. I always say get prepared for onboarding before you even hire. Even if you're not hiring anybody right now or you don't have anybody in your role right now, the best thing that you can do right now is literally to start documenting things. So even if you just started your business, start to document processes even from now, because I can tell you once... Business is starting to come in, right? And you're focusing on other things. It's going to be really hard for you to find the time to sit down and do, like, all the SOPs. And I'm telling you, you might think in your head, like, oh, I only have to do five SOPs. Nine times out of ten, it's way more than that. Yeah, because you hold everything
0: in your head, right? So it's like you really have to, like, think through the steps that you already
1: do on autopilot and like translate them into instruction. Exactly. And start creating your bank for things. And then, you know, once you are ready to start bringing somebody else on, my biggest tip too is empower that person from the beginning to be proactive in their role. You'd be really surprised how many times folks hire folks and they don't feel like they can just take things and run with them or even make suggestions because you want to empower this individual to start to help you to even build out the role more, right? So you put out your job description, and it was this role. Roles evolve over time. So, like, even in the first three months, that role could be totally different, or it could be added responsibilities to the role, and you want that person to start helping you write out the procedures for that role, right? Because especially in a startup, right... If this person goes on vacation, who is going to be the person to pick these things up? And if you have these things outlined, then someone can easily pick that up and your business is still functioning without you necessarily working like 80 hours a week.
0: Oh my God. Such a good point. Yes. And you also hear too, like I've had conversations with friends before where they think it's almost too stressful to hire someone because things are just easier when they do it themselves. I'm sure you've probably heard that too. So do you think that that's just a matter of like, people are just like, Oh, well, you know what? I hired someone, but then things are just like, just turn out better when I do it myself, which completely goes against (laughs) why you're hiring someone in the first place, you know? But like, what advice would you give them? Is that because they don't have a strong onboarding
1: or is it a trust thing? like? So it's a multiple of things. So one, it's, it's a mindset shift, right? Because Think about it from this perspective, especially for women. So usually we're in a like we're in a corporate role. Right. And we're used to being told what to do and we're used to actually having some level of support. Right. Your role is pretty defined for a lot of us. And you don't have to think about all these additional things. Well, as a business owner and a founder, You have to think about everything in your business. So think about it from that perspective. You want to start thinking about yourself as the leader of the business, not a manager and not an employee right you want to think about yourself as a leader what is the leader needs to do in the business like what are the things that they need to really focus on so you want to start there and then i would say the next thing is they feel really i wouldn't say they feel really um empowered without onboarding or hiring so usually when folks say that they're scared right because of cost like what is this person going to cost because actually having somebody you have to pay is a responsibility And they get really boggled down with all the things like, oh, my gosh, the job description, the onboarding, like everything, because what folks don't realize, people will tell you, like, oh, just go and hire someone. Hiring someone is is an extensive process to do it really efficient and get it really right the first first try. So those are the things that are weighing on their mind. And then they'll say to themselves, well, I'm just going to do it myself because it was easier. And it could be easier for them to do it themselves, but you doing these things right now is pulling you away from like the sales, the marketing, and things that you really need to focus on.
0: Yeah, it goes back to like the revenue generating conversation, right? It's like then you fall back into the habit of not
1: doing those things that are actually growing. Exactly, so you have to start to shift your mind to start thinking that way. And even if you hire you know, the first person and it didn't work out well, you have to try again, right? I always say to folks, if you don't see yourself having any employees in your business or any team in your business, it doesn't make sense for you to start a business. Like it just, it doesn't because you're going to get stagnated and you're going to get stuck at some level.
0: What would you say to people who maybe think to themselves, like, I don't, I need to grow my business and I know I need to hire people, but I don't want to be a manager or I don't think I am a
1: good manager. Oh, this is a good question. A lot of folks think I'm not a good manager, um, and that is true to an extent because a lot of leaders they're very much a visionary, um, so they're not good in you know the day to day managing of folks, and that's completely fine. But what I would say is that you'll still need to bring on somebody or you know a couple of people to help you to get to the scalable level that you want so in that situation what you really should do is start to shift your mind and start preparing to actually bring on someone who can help you manage the team that you have right so if you know like okay i need to hire like five people right and you're like i don't want to be the one managing all those people which is outright a lot of people to manage (laughs) then you need to have someone in between you And this is like a more high level person. So like if you're looking at a startup, this could be like a COO or operations director. And then for online businesses, this could be like an online business manager or operations manager, right? Just somebody in between to help you manage folks in the day to day. Not that you're, you're not going to be meeting with these people or interacting with them, but someone to help you like kind of manage the minutia that goes on when you have like over like two people working in your business.
0: That's that's a really good point. What about for people what about for like managing people long term? I really like what you said at the beginning about being mindful of watching how people are getting treated in the workforce. How would you go about making sure that if you're not if you don't have experience in managing or maybe you don't feel like you're good at managing, but you really want to get better. What are good ways that managers can make sure that they're doing a good job? Um, and getting that feedback from the people that they're hiring so that they're just not like outsourcing and they're like, just get everything done, but they're not really caring more about that person and what that person can bring to the table and how that person's career wants to grow. Like, what advice would you have for for a manager really being more invested in in that person than just someone that's just, you know, so task-oriented and short-term?
1: I would say, so as a manager, where people get it wrong is that managing doesn't mean that you're dictating to folks and it doesn't mean that you're micromanaging, right? So like I said before, you want to empower folks to really feel like this is their position and they know how to evolve in this position and they know the things that they want to do. So as a manager, feedback is going to be crucial. You need the feedback as a manager and they'll need feedback from you because they'll they'll want to know, when I say they, I mean employees, contractors, they want to know what they're doing efficiently and what needs to change. And honestly, doing that is the best way because it prevents things, you know, from prolonging too long. So often if you're not sharing your feedback, you know, with anybody, they can be doing something, doing it the wrong way, and you're waiting so long to say this and but the person didn't know if you didn't tell them, how would they know they didn't do it wrong? So I always say it's good to have check-ins with folks regularly. So, you know, you can talk about these things and give feedback both ways. Honestly, I would say in the first 90 days of any work relationship, you need to be checking in with that person regularly because after the 90 day period, you really want them to be at a point in their role where they can take things and really work efficiently on their own. The, the 90 days is really like a training period. It's kind of like a probationary period. You're both feeling each other out. And they're getting the feedback from you and you're getting the feedback from them. And then I would also say, you know, for larger businesses, 360 degree feedback is really important. So you can do that on like an annual level. You can do that like twice a year where it's like if you have a bigger type of business, everybody is giving feedback. So all the team members is giving feedback on their manager the manager is giving feedback on the employees vice versa so then it it sees comprehensively where the organization or the company is on a whole and it's data so you'll use that data and you know if you're noticing something it gives you data to work with so you can change that because culture and engagement of your team is going to play a huge role in your scalability Right. There's a turnover issue. Right. Because if you're noticing something that's going wrong and everyone is saying this, then you're like, okay, this is clearly something that I need to change because the numbers won't lie in a business. So those those are the tips that I would offer for that. So you
0: really think three months at minimum to really give someone a test run is a good amount of time?
1: I would say like usually in a corporate setting, 90 days is like a probationary period if a job has a probationary period. So in that day, di- in, the, in the 90 days, you want to be training that person. You want to get to know that person. They get to know you. They actually get a feel for the role, right? Because it's a trial period. So like you could be marketing this role and especially this is why I say it goes back to the job description. Cause were you honest and complete in the job description of what the actual responsibilities were? Cause it could be something different. And then, you know, the person gets into the role and they're like, Hey, look, this is what it said it was when it's really all of these things. And that's why I say feedback is important because if you hire for this role and it wasn't necessarily the right fit, well why? And you'll be getting feedback from this person you know, on why it may not be the right fit or what the actual responsibilities of the role look like. So then you can make some changes there.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's good. What would you say? It's such an interesting time to be alive right now. I'm sure people are like, um, that's such a, (laughs) a weird comment, but it really is. I mean, after COVID, I feel like the entire workforce is changing. You hear about brands that are, that clearly haven't been paying their employees enough. And now employees are saying, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And I really think in the entrepreneurial world too, a lot of people have gotten away with hiring people dirt cheap, you know, in very, I think, unfair circumstances as well. What would you say to people who, do you think that the quote you get what you pay for is accurate? And And how would you tell someone to position uh like contracting fees or salary
1: yeah this is a good question i would say you get what you pay for is an accurate statement because often you know what usually happens is that there's a fear of money there's a fear of paying people so then a lot of folks will try to like find the cheapest person to do something really high level when both don't really add up so you can't hire somebody for something like seven eight dollars an hour and really expect them to be managing all these things it's just not feasible and that person is going to burn out themselves and that that relationship is not going to be long lasting that's the thing you want to be you know hiring folks um in your business to help you get to the long term like the end game and this is where i see a lot of folks you know mess up and particularly like if you are starting to really make a lot of money in your business and you're like making six figures you really should start thinking about getting some employees like if your business models support that because you're going to need um you want to need more people doing things and you're going to need some more uh strategy for some of the roles that you want to bring on like you want to bring on people who could operate efficiently without you hand holding their hand all of the time yes that's a that plays a big role into things um and then i would say with salary and, you know, consulting fees, even as a consultant, you also want to charge your worth, know your worth, you know, for what you're doing. So you can even go online and research what is the average that someone's making in this role with this level of experience. And then you want to market that. And then for founders and and, and startups and folks like that, I want you to put yourself in the position, right? I would tell you like eight times out of 10, you started your business because Maybe you weren't satisfied with what you were making, you know, in your corporate life. And is this a salary you would want to be making if you would do this role? Like, actually putting yourself in the shoes of the person is going to actually be extremely helpful. So that's the advice that I would give there.
0: I mean... Brilliant. Treat people like how you'd want to be treated, you know? I mean, seriously. Yes. Like, would you feel like it was fair and comfortable and right if you were in their shoes? I totally agree with that. Like on the same note of things changing, uh, salaries changing, What about now the fact that everyone works remotely for the most part, especially for a lot of entrepreneurs? It's, I think, becoming, I don't say like increasingly difficult, it's just a change in behavior for people to manage people remotely or stay connected with people remotely. And I know that a lot of Folks use Slack or they might use Voxer or email to connect with people. And sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. So as a, as a founder looking to hire someone who still wants to stay connected to their team, but also doesn't want to get inundated with messages all day, like how would you recommend they go about making sure that they don't get frustrated and that the lines of communication are open, but not overwhelming.
1: Yeah. I would actually say human interaction plays a huge part in that. So you don't want to use like tools like Slack to actually replace like an interaction. So of course, if you have like a team have a weekly team meeting where you can actually hash out a lot of the things that you need to hash out. And I I would say particularly a lot of folks who have this struggle are micromanagers. Like they really have a hard time with this concept of remote work. I mean, remote work has been around for quite some time, but a lot of businesses have been... Um, really resistant to that because they're like well what is this person doing for all this time like what it's like knowing what the person or the employee is doing 24 7. Yes like they
0: need a tracking device on their computer it's like what does that say about you if that's what you feel like you need. <laughs>
1: I remember in corporate feeling like, because I'm always the person, like, if I had my job and I knew these are the things that I need to done, well, I'm just going to do it. And I'm like, well, work now so I can relax later. Where in corporate, it's not like that. It's like, work now, get your stuff done and more work. Yeah, exactly. And I always say that, you know, with business, you don't want to replace, you know, human interaction so meet with people and then of course you want to set up your communication channels and actually almost make like a communication plan like what what are the things that people need to really be telling you is there like a period where you're doing like stand-up meetings or check-ins as a team if that if you you know you micromanage and you want to kind of shift that and get out of the habit start taking those little baby steps because it's going to really help you. And honestly, you'll really notice that people don't need to be in each other's faces like 24 seven of the day, right? Because if you're meeting all day long, if you're slacking all day long, when are you actually getting things?
0: Slacking is in like messaging, not slacking is like slacking off, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) Slacking as in messaging.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. On the note of micromanaging, because I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs get hung up on. Like that's a common thing in your mind, if you were to name a few qualities of like stellar managers that you've seen throughout your career, what are the commonalities and like themes that you see with them?
1: Yeah, I would say the commonalities is from the start of the work relationship, empowering you to actually step into your leadership and even in your role, right? Because you want this person who you bring on to lead this role. So you want to empower them to feel as if that they have the, you know, complete, you know, capabilities in their job function is what I would really say and the way that kind of looks in a relationship is allowing this person to actually try to do things without you like being overbearing you being overbearing to someone especially in this age is actually a major turnoff to a lot of great quality applicants so that's the first thing that I would say the next thing that I would say is being open to feedback a lot of managers and leaders are not open to feedback and become extremely defensive and i would say for a candidate that's a major red flag because the same way you want to give feedback to them they need to give feedback to you it has to go that way in order for it to be a healthy work relationship and then really the third thing that i would say is that you know folks who are really great at this they're establishing a a culture And specifically, a culture of team engagement, and a culture of you know really open, open engagement across all the lines, right? So think about it this way: the way that you treat your customers, right? How are you treating your team? Asking yourself that question because if you're one who is, if you're one who is highly service oriented, is that You know, culture established in your team. And if it's not, you want to look at some things to start to shift those. So, those are the three main things that I would say I've really noticed in really great leaders. And really great leaders, nine times out of 10, have really great businesses and they have really great teams. In their businesses these are the people that are going to help you get to your next level so you want to you know treat them with respect, and you want you know the open chains of communication to be there they want to feel as if that they are important to the business and they feel in alignment with where you're going so those are the three things that I would say are the most important things that I've noticed and in great leaders oh my gosh
0: that's so good and yeah they are helping you get to the next level it's a big deal What kind of advice or what advice do you think entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, we're we're in October, we're a few months away from 2022, which is terrifying. Like, what advice do you think that business owners need to hear right now?
1: Oh, this is a great question. So the advice that I would give business owners. So if you are the person right now and you're saying to yourself, well, I didn't hit my goals 2021 first 2021 isn't over and if you're saying to yourself like well I really want 2022 to kind of start off on a good note and these are these are the people who are probably feeling like burnt out maybe in their own business or feeling like man I just don't have any time or there's just too many things I would say the three things that you need to focus on next in your business is the strategy right the strategic component of your business you need to focus also on the structure. And when I say the structure, I mean like the systems, like the actual structure too of your business. And then the third thing I would say is that I like to call it your squad. That's how I, I like to call your team, your squad, because these are the people who are going to support you. So if right now you've been saying for like a year or six months, man, I really need to get help in these things and you haven't done it yet. Well, one, ha- why haven't you done it? <laughs> And two, you need to start shifting all of these things, like the other two things that I mentioned, to start making a plan to actually get these people on board to really help you in your business. So, you know, often what people will say, seven figures is my goal. Well, are you doing the things to help you get to the seven figures that you want to get to? And if you haven't been, then I would say those are the three things you need to focus on, strategy, structure, and your squad.
0: Oh, my God, I love it. And that's so easy to remember, too. Love it. Um, so tell people how, I'm sure there are people listening who are going to be like, I want to work with Kimone. How can people work with you? Yeah,
1: sure. There are a variety of ways uh, to work with me. So I would say like the biggest one uh, right now is like this is hiring season. (laughs) So a lot of people are like, man, I need to hire. So if this is you and you want to like outsource that to someone, then we do do done for you hiring where my team and I take it all off your plate, which I know is lovely for busy (laughs) founders and startups. So if that's That's of interest to you, feel free to contact me. Um, And then the next thing is that, you know, I've been working on a a major project that I'm launching in uh, January, 2022, because all this time people are like, you have the most interesting background. You got HR operations, (laughs) some legal in there, and then you were an engineer. My message to you, if you really are, you know, wanting to really scale next level in your business and you really want to start doing things a little different so you can have some more freedom and flexibility so you can get to these big goals, I am going to be opening my coaching program in uh, January 2022, which is going to be six months of working with me. And I'll just say, this is not accountability. This is literally strategy, one-on-one support to help you really get to your goals. So you will have eyes on all the aspects of your business to really be helping you to change things so you can start feeling more at ease and have more fun. Like, this is the biggest thing. Like, if your business is not fun... Why are you Why are you even doing it? Why right. Are you here? Exactly. <laughs> so we'll we'll be opening those doors. Um, people can get in now. So if that's of interest to you, feel free to contact me. It's called the Rebalance Accelerator. So I'm super excited oh, about yeah. it. Um, so thank if that's that. you, thank you so much. If that's you, you know you can go to my website kimonapier.com forward slash Rebalance Accelerator. So. Those are the great ways for you to work with me.
0: Hell yeah. I love that. Oh my God. And you know what's so crazy too is like, when have you ever heard of anything like that before? Like in my career, I and knowing coaches, knowing business owners. Like I've never heard of someone offering anything like that because I feel like HR is very elusive and it's like lesser known and like, it's like harder to tap into So that's amazing. And then where can people find you on your social channels?
1: I would say the most common ones that I'm on is Instagram. I'm a big IG user. So you can find me at simply Kimon, And then of course on LinkedIn, um, which is like LinkedIn forward slash in forward slash, I think Kimon Napier.
0: Yeah. They have the weird in in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect. This was so helpful. So good. If you guys are interested in anything that Kimone talked about, go follow her and thank you Kimon, for coming on the podcast. Okay. Can we just talk about how knowledgeable Kimone is? Everything she said. I was like, I need my notepad (laughs) right now because this is so powerful. She is great. She just gets it. Like I said, I want to have her on for another episode. If you guys feel the same way, definitely make sure to let me know in the email address in the show notes. And also don't forget to reach out to Kimon if you feel like she could help you in any way. I think the fact that she's doing this coaching program in January is going to be so helpful for business owners who just feel like they need the extra nudge and just the extra strategy because they don't have the time to think about it. That's why I feel like what Kimon does is so powerful because so many entrepreneurs are just kind of lost and they're not paying a lot of attention to the HR, human resources, hiring aspect of their business right now. So thanks so much, Kimone, for coming on. This was amazing. If you guys love today's episode, I would love it if you let me know, either leave a review or send me an email. I'm always all ears and I just love getting your feedback. It means the world to me. And it really helps me find more people that I can host on the podcast that are that would be helpful for you guys. So I am grateful for you. I am grateful for you tuning into this episode. Thank you so much for being here and I will catch you guys next week.